We have always existed, and we are still here. Telling the stories of those slung dead, we won't disappear. We're taking the pen back into our own hands. We live and we breathe and we keep creating, taking a stand. History is queerer than you. Welcome to the Making Queer History podcast, where we connect our queer history to our queer present. I'm Laura. And I'm Will. And today we're going to be talking about Edward Carpenter. Which I'm really excited about. Before we even get into it, I'm, I'm excited for the vaguest mention of E.M. Forrester, because I have not covered him on anything in this project so far, because I've been very slowly reading his work because his work I've just I read a couple quotes at the beginning of when I just started this project and I was like wow I love these quotes so I was just sort of like we're we're gonna get into it we're gonna I'm gonna read as many of his books as I can before I even try tackling an article and I've only read I think two books so far uh Room with a View and Howard's End and they are two of my favorite classics of all time I just love his writing style and we get to vaguely mention him and I still haven't written an article about him and I'm not sure I ever will I just enjoy him as an author so much I'd rather someone else sort of tell that story I don't know if this makes sense but sometimes if I do have a personal connection to the person pre-writing the article I feel like I won't do as good a job at writing the article itself Uh, that's why I haven't covered a lot of people actually that makes sense because like a lot of really recognizable names entering the word the process of of writing an article you you enter it with a lot less bias if you don't know anything about them exactly and not just bias but like I also like I don't know I assume if I know it then everyone knows it I, I sort of have that, that bad habit of just being like, oh, I, I know this person exists. Okay, it's old news then. Everyone's on the same page with this. Which is, isn't true, but it's it's definitely something that I think about and, and influences who I discuss in my work. But yeah, I'm just excited to talk about that. But, but Edward Carpenter in general had a lot of like connections to the queer community at the time and actually has a lot of connections to the queer community outside the time. And I just, I just love that. I love seeing sort of how that thing is. I think one of the biggest surprises was like Evelyn Irons and how connected she was to the lesbian community of the time. And I just found it hilarious because that is such a lesbian thing. Before we jump into anything though, news. Patrons will be hearing this in June and they will know, and most people will know probably by now, that we took June off just because um, a lot of stuff is happening in the world. June has been the wildest month. I'm going to go out there and say that it has been ridiculously wild. It's been ridiculously wild. And um, let's just start it out by saying Black Lives Matter, Black Trans Lives Matter, um, fuck the police. All cops abolish, are bastards. All cops are bastards. Um, abolish the police. We're from Canada. Abolish the police in Canada too. It's interesting. I've actually, uh, I, I sort of hear people focus on the wrong thing when we're discussing sort of like the ACAB, you know, Black Lives Matter, the movement that's going on right now. Because people will be like, oh yeah, like Canada and like Australia and like England are all like having the same thing. And they like sort of are, are portraying that as like the the issue is that like they can't come up with their own movements or something. But I'm like, no, the issue is that all these places have police forces. That's the common denominator. <laughs> the common denominator there is they have police forces and racism. Yeah. Like everywhere has racism, but not everywhere has police forces. And those three places specifically, or like those couple of places have very well-funded police forces. So us being like, oh, the police force sucks. And the only thing in common with our police force is that we all have them and we all fund them well. I don't know. I don't know what the 
I don't know what that could possibly mean. But anyways, um, Black Lives Matter. <laughs> All cops are bastards. Yeah, it's been an intense, tense month. And it's been absolutely fantastic to see sort of um, Pride Month be f- filled with the actual spirit of Pride, which, you know, um, if you're looking at the historical legacy of Pride, it did start with Stonewall, which was a, a riot against police brutality. So this is absolute circular, perfect ideal. And, you know... Uh, as a lot of people say, like black trans women were, were the starts of Stonewall, black trans women, Latinx trans women, trans women in general. And it has been a little bit disappointing to see that like they haven't been the head of the movement as I've seen so far, but maybe I'm just in the wrong movement. But it has been fantastic to see that us go back to our roots. Everyone was like, pride is canceled, but it wasn't. It was the most itself it's been in so long. And it was absolutely fantastic to see. I didn't have to deal with a bank putting like songs with like queer slurs in them and the fucking speakers but do you know what i got to go i got to go in the middle of a protest surrounded by people who actually gave a shit about queer people even though that wasn't the main community we're talking about we're talking about um black people and black queer people but you can tell when people give a shit right you can tell when like you you know the td doesn't give a shit about us but being around all these protests to be protesters you know, while social distancing, but being around all these marchers, it was so clear that they actually cared, that they cared beyond the, like, the obvious steps of, like, let's put a rainbow on our logo, you know? And that was fantastic to see. And, you know, no, it just, it gave me a lot of hope and it it gave me a lot of uh, pride (laughs) in our community and a lot of pride in the communities that support us as well. And, I I am also very proud of all the queer people who are not black, who have been supporting uh, Black Lives Matter. Obviously, this is a basic thing you should be doing, but I have seen queer people step up in a way that I haven't seen queer people step in a, up in a while. And I don't know what caught their pants on fire this time, but we're going for it. And I'm absolutely delighted that this is the cause that, you know, have actually gotten some of the more privileged in the queer community to get off their asses and be like, okay, there's an issue. Exactly. And it's taken a while and it is, it doesn't, it has not come out of nowhere. I sort of have seen that sort of like idea being thrown around, especially by like um, younger protesters who are just entering the protesters, right? The protest right now, sort of being like, oh, this is just like sparked up. I'm like, no, there's been so, so much work of activists going into this uh, Edmontonian activists. I really want to shout out black queer Edmontonian activists like right now, just because that's where I live. And also because they have done so much work in building the groundwork for this to happen. Even if they are not like, even if a black queer activist was not currently working in the black lives matter movement right now, I would still have so fucking much respect because in the past years, I think we've, we've talked about this on the podcast. Um, Edmonton has ha- been having this discussion. We've been having this discussion about police. We've been having this discussion and seeing it come to fruition and seeing how much of a shift has happened. The only people who deserve credit of that is the amazing queer black activists who, you know, came into the middle of Pride Parade and were like, hey, get police out of here. And we would not be where we're at without that. We just wouldn't have. And it's just, yeah, it's just really incredible to see. And I'm, I'm really proud of how this month has turned out. Um, yeah, and if you, if you follow our project, you know that um, we decided not to write any articles uh, this month because very honestly, in my head, I was like, okay, the choice is between going full throttle in like activism and then going like really intense or I can, do, I can do these articles. If I do both, I'm gonna burn out. I just know I am. That's my limits. And you know, I, I, I chose that. And the amount of support I've gotten from the community, amazing, incredible. 
really, really appreciate that. And and the only reason I was able to do it was because Dean had already been working on 30 portraits. I'm not sure if you've seen them yet. They're all fantastic. 30 portraits of 30 different queer people from history. And um, everyone who's bought um, any merchandise with the, those portraits on it during June, all that money is going to go directly to Black Lives Matter. Just directly to that organization, Black Lives Matter, not like any separate ones. Because, you know, that's why we're here, right? They are representing and honoring the history of the queer community in such a major way. What else could we do, right? <laughs> They're amazing. Um, yeah, so we, we took the, the month off, so we didn't do articles. We're going to be back to articles in July. So anyone who's not a patron who's hearing this a little bit later will will, will be like, okay, so yeah, you, we're back to normal already. But um, yeah, I just want to say I really appreciate how supportive everyone was about us taking a step back. Um, last year was a big learning experience for me, I think, because uh, I got my ass kicked by doing this work and I burnt myself out so hard. It's to the point where I stopped liking writing, which is such a major thing for me. If you know me in person, you know that like writing is like, you know how people make that joke where it's like, this is the person's one personality trait. Writing is mine. Um, and I, I burnt myself out. I, I put too much and seeing y'all just be like, no, take the rest you need. Do what you need to do was absolutely so fulfilling and so needed and necessary and I'm really excited to get back to work because I already have the person who I'm going to write about chosen I'm so excited to talk about them and we already have some guest authors yeah in general just super excited for the direction of both uh <laughs> this project and and the world I'm you know abolish the please baby things are gonna be good I hope fingers crossed things are gonna be good if we work for it to be good right yes and um yeah, no. And the protests we've gone to this, well, we've only gone to like one proper like outside outdoors protest, but it ended up being like two protests. It was, it was fantastic. Well, the Edmontonian activists who've been working have done amazing, basically. All of all them really have. And, you know, obviously it's been difficult to, to protest and do all these things while there is a global pandemic happening. But um, in, in Canada specifically, the pandemic is sort of winding down. We've, we've passed or we flattened the curve. We did it. We flattened the curve. We did it. You know, that thing that they're like, flatten the curve, flatten the curve. We're do- we, we did that. We're, we're moving into the next one, I'm sure. And I'm not saying it's like, there's no bad things happening, but we flattened the curve, I think the best we can for now. And we're sort of getting back to being able to go outside which is fantastic. Um, I know that not everyone has that privilege, so I hope you all don't feel like I'm bragging, but I am excited that while this activism is happening, we do have the opportunity to go out. And not only that, but we have the opportunity to go out and still keep our our disabled and elderly uh, parts of our community safe at the same time, um, because, you know, it is much safer than it was before. And I think it's absolutely, absolutely, absolutely necessary for the disabled community and, and the elderly, elderly community to be a part of this movement, like, obviously. But at the same time, I really need to, like, qualify that. Because, you know, obviously, protests aren't always accessible, and I'm not saying y'all have to go, but I, I am saying I'm glad that there is at least an opportunity for a lot of people to go now. And again, <laughs> this is only in Edmonton. That's not everywhere right now. But I hope that y'all are taking the time to support your local activists, especially your Black and disabled activists. Support them. <laughs> they need some definite support right now. I know um, I'm not a Black disabled activist, but I'm, I'm a disabled activist and going to the protest because uh, we went to the protest amazing. And then we marched for how many hours after that? About three or four, I think. Three or four hours. And it was amazing because um, we weren't planning on marching. There was no march planned from what I know of. It was absolutely spontaneous. And, you know, just people were out in the streets just being caring, just 
absolutely caring so much, which is amazing. And four hours of marching uh, was not good for my body, turns out. <laughs> and I had to be in bed for the next couple days. But um, yeah, I'm not sure what like the point of that story was. But I just like, I'm just really grateful we're at a point now that like our disabled activists who have immunocompromises can can sort of come back out a little bit more and like take the stage. And yeah, Edmonton protests were amazing. There's so much good work being done. If you check in with yourself, do you have the time? Do you have the energy? Mm -hmm. Do some activism right now. Some simple yes. things you can do, um, depending on where you live a little bit, uh, you can sign some petitions, mm -hmm. you can donate some money, mm -hmm. you can call some city representatives or county representatives. I don't really, I'm not very familiar with how many political systems work, but find whichever head of government is closest to mm -hmm. you, give them a call, send them an email, tell them to reevaluate the budget and put more fund yeah. things other than police yeah put more money into social communities and and, and works and and providing a safe community for everyone and that includes transit that includes mm -hmm. social workers and education and and we all know that social social workers can also be really bad we all mm -hmm. know this but make sure that our first of, step is in violence yeah and that bodies of government put their money where their mouth is. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I agree. And um, I just was like, since we're talking about like the global news and not just our project news, I do want to go ahead and be like, hey, um, all of our Polish listeners, I hope y'all are doing okay. I We don't know the results of the election yet as of now, but um, whatever way it turns out, just know that we love you. We're listening to you and we want to hear from you. Email us in if you want to. Also don't email us in if you don't want to, but I just want you to know that we see you. We see what's happening. And we're not going to look away, no matter what happens. And if the good thing happens, we're going to support you and be like, absolutely so happy for you. But if the bad thing happens, we are still going to be there. And we're still going to be there to uplift your voices. And if you are a person who's not Polish, who doesn't know what's going on in Poland right now, it is so much to unpack that I'm just going to go ahead and tell you to do your goddamn research. I love you so much. And that is why you're here. Y'all love learning. There is no other reason you'd be listening to us if you didn't love learning. I am going to implore you to learn about the situation yourself. I've talked about it on most of our social medias, but learn about the situation. Look at Polish activists, support them as well. Do the best you can, you know, just uplift the fact that Polish queer activists exist because that's the baseline. <laughs> They've gone to the point of being like, oh no, queer people just don't exist. They've gotten to that point. So, you know, just saying that queer Polish activists exist is something. And it's up in that value. So yeah, uh, since we're just talking about global news, let's let's, let's throw that in there. And um, if you are a queer Polish person listening to us or a Polish person listening to us, we love you. And we're watching. We promise. And I'm putting in my pinky, pinky promise sort of motion. I realize that this is an audio program. Whoops. Anyways. Cute, cute gesture though. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, so today we're going to be talking about, after we've we've done a lot of talking about other things, we're going to be talking about Edward Carpenter, who is white. <laughs> Yeah, white boy. White boy. I feel a little bad. I feel a little bad, to be honest. Because I was like, I was hoping, because so many other times it's lined up perfectly. Mm -hmm. It's that lined is up true. perfectly. This one has not perfectly. Uh, mm. Edward Carpenter has also done some. A rich and a sort of racist. Sort of racist. Not even racist towards black people, so it's not even, you know, relevant to our current discussion. 
Though this is racism that also really needs to be talked about and is very prevalent within the queer community. 100%. Do you want to dive into it? Yeah, let's just go into it. So, Edward Carpenter was born in 1844 in Brighton, England, Mm -hmm. uh, into a pretty rich family. family, Yeah. yeah. His father was a governor at Brighton College, Mm -hmm. and he had an entirety of nine siblings. Damn. Okay. Yeah. No, do you know what? I, I just finished writing about Winterette Singer. And I think hers was like 20 or something. Damn, never So mind. do you know what? Not impressed by you, Edward Carpenter. Not impressed by your amount of siblings. When you're at a singer, is way more impressive than you. So uh, Edward started like his life following the... the I mean, I was going to say following the life of money, but like he... Went Did to, what his family wanted him to do. He, he went to university mm-hmm. at Cambridge. He became a fellow of Trinity Hall. Mm-hmm. I actually had to research Trinity Hall. I had no idea what it meant. Mm-hmm. It just meant that he was academic and smart. I remember the the university I wanted to go to as a co- kid was uh, Trinity University in Dublin. Interesting. Yeah, I'm not smart enough to go there. Oh, you're not odd. dumb enough to go there. <laughs> uh, for all the people who are listening from Trinity uh, University in Dublin, we love you, and you are very smart. And I didn't even apply, so I'm I'm not. There actually, you go. That might have been a part. Out. That might have been a part of the situation. Who yes. Knows? It, it, you never really know with that kind of. Thing. Sorry. Continue. But yes, he took. Uh, he became a fellow of Trinity Hall after mm-hmm. Leslie. St- even who's Virginia Woolf's dad mm-hmm. quit or something. Yep. It, it's it's a strenuous connection, but it's a connection. Yeah. Uh, and then later he got ordained. He yeah. lived a clerical life uh, out of convention mm-hmm. rather than any deep devotion to religious religion. Yeah. And after that, the the turning point of his life happened when he read Leaves of Grass by Walt Whitman. Which is a goddamn mood. That is a... Your turning point also happened when Oof. you read Leaves of Grass. Well, actually, not when I read Leaves of Grass, though that was a turning point in and of itself. I haven't finished Leaves of Grass, but reading Walt Whitman at all is a turning point. I'm sorry. I spend so much of my life being like, I'm so smart. But reading Walt Whitman is like, this man, so much smarter than me. I love that. I love him. I love his work. And, and just the idea that like... I know this man affected the queer community in such a, an intense way just through writing poetry. Absolutely incredible. And you know what? I'm never going to not love his poetry. It's actually, fun fact, uh, the first tattoo I'm going to get. Because I'm not going to get a tattoo until I publish a book. Because I'm like, that's a little celebration I have like planned away. Uh, when I publish my first book, I'm going to get my first tattoo. And it is going to be of one of uh, Walt Whitman's quote, which... It's one of my favorite quotes of all time. I'm just going to go ahead and go off with it. It is, um, do I contradict myself very well? Then I contradict myself. I am large. I contain multitudes. No, I'm sorry. I'm Killer. Sorry. Amazing. That's a banger. That's what the banger is. Also, I made an emo post on, on Tumblr one night because I was like, it, I, I hope, you know when, okay, if you're, you've been on Tumblr for any length of time, which you're queer, I, I assume you are. You've, you've been on there for a while. Um, and if you found our thing, I assume you've been on there for at least once or twice. But um, you you see what they do to quotes. The quotes that get popular, like an Anne Carson quote or something, or, or that, quote, that quote about storms. I'll take care of you. It's rotten work. Not, Not for to me. me. Not, Not if it's you. <laughs> oh, that's a fantastic quote. So good. Breaks my goddamn heart. And like the storm quote, that's a fine quote. It's a decent quote. Do you remember like the storm? Do you remember why girl like storms have girls' names or something? I don't know. Yes, that, I know it. I one. don't remember it, but I know it. And I made a post, and I was like, I really hope that like Walt, this Walt Whitman quote in specific, does not become popular on Tumblr because I don't. It's it's so like it hits me so hard. 
that like the idea of someone mocking it and being like, this is such a basic thing actually hurts me. It like actually emotionally hurts me. And I got like six messages. This is why Tumblr the hellhole. I got like six Anon messages. Like it's already a joke, you idiot. And I'm like, I hate you all. I hate you all. What the fuck? I was just like, why are you know, Tumblr anons like that? Why are Tumblr anons like that? You know, I, I love this quote and I still love it, even though y'all are calling me basic. I know you are, but I just love that quote. It means so much to me. And I'm going to get it. You get, you can't bully me out of it. <laughs> Once I get it, you're going to bully me though. It's going to hurt my heart. And then I'm going to get another quote from another queer poet, um, which is... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going to lift off because I am actually exhausted right now. Just like if you're wondering, I'm sure the long listeners of the podcast fucking knew immediately as soon as I started swearing a lot that I was. But um, the other quote I want to get as a tattoo is uh, Langston Hughes. Um, I'm so tired of waiting, aren't you, for the world to become good and beautiful and kind. Such a good quote. And then there's another roomy quote that I'm going to get. I'm just going to get all queer poetry quotes just good sleeve good choice that's it it's gonna be like a circling like a spiraling i love that only queer poets i love that that'll be my queer poet arm (laughs) and it'll be embedded with the strength of walt whitman who according to every account i've ever read was a beefy boy i love that i did not know that fun fact about walt whitman he was powerful he was anyways um back to the so yes as As you shown by example here, mm-hmm. reading Walt Whitman really changes your life. It so, does. It hits different. So that's what happened to mm-hmm. to Edward. He he, after reading Leaves of Grass, realized that he couldn't continue his life the way he was. He realized there was a connection because he he had sort of always known that he was queer, mm-hmm. that he was gay and attracted to men. And and suddenly after reading this book, he was like, "This is a beautiful love. I want to actually engage in instead of just being like, I'm going to be a clerk or a cleric." Exactly. So he he quit mm-hmm. uh, being a cleric. And There's actually a fantastic quote from it, from from sort of this point in his life. I'm just gonna really quickly grab it. it it's in a letter from him himself to Walt Whitman because he sent him a little fan mail, which every single gay man did at the time. Facts. Um, because you have given me a ground for the love of men, I thank you continually in my heart. For you have made men to be not ashamed of their noblest instincts of their nature. Women are beautiful, but to some there is that which passes the love of women. That's a fantastic Also very respectful, being like, women women are beautiful. But I'm gay. But I'm gay, so... (laughs) Just like the opposite mood of how I go, um, men, but I'm gay. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's opposite it's, mood. It's a bisexual, like, anthem, though. Yeah. The bisexual anthem is like, ah, uh, I guess I'm attracted to men. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Some men are absolutely lovely. Like Walt women. Like Walt women. Shout out to a man. Walt women. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he quit being a cleric and he joined this thing called the University Extension Movement. Mm-hmm. Which was a way of trying to bring higher education out to poorer places, more rural areas, and lower classes. And he did these lectures on astronomy, sun worship, music, and lives of ancient Greek women. Like, mood though. Mood though. 100%. Like, I'm sorry, I want to go to that. I want to go to like a lecture that is the combined nature of all that, please. Damn. Well. That sounds like it slapped. It really does. It sounds really interesting. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately for, for Edward, oh, though, no. he, whereas he wanted to to reach the lower classes and the working classes, mm-hmm. he only ever got middle class people coming to, to his lectures. So sad. And even they didn't seem to be that interested. 
Rip. So like, whoops. Which is is especially funny when you know that um he he did ve- definitely fetishize the lower class in like so a hard. very specific way that only rich people really can do. He's like, they work so hard. They're so noble. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> all right, yeah. bro. There's also all these quotes about how he found specifically like working men attractive. Mm-hmm. Specific, like, sweaty working men attractive. Which go him, though. Yeah, 100%. But go like, him, Bo. Sorry, continue. But there's, like, so many quotes from him being like, wow, he oiled up sweaty. And I'm like, okay. Party hard, my boy. Honestly, honestly, Party hard. I just love it's that. It's an aesthetic. It's an aesthetic. And you know what? It's such a great choice. Like, especially in a, in a very specific time in which... Um, while gay men were sort of, um, in the public eye in a, in a sort of way, it's sort of hard to explain. It, it's sort of, we're around Oscar Wilde time. We're talking where dandy there's a big, aesthetic. Exactly, dandy aesthetic. To, to see a man not only, like, be, like, anti-elitism, well, not so much anti-elitism, more, like, reverse, but <laughs> be less focused on, like, the higher class in society, but also, like, be very open and, and, um, clear about his attraction to men. I think that's an absolutely beautiful thing, and I, I cannot help but think that it was in part inspired by, uh, Walt Whitman, whose, a lot of his work was very similar to that, and I don't know, as someone who, who's read a lot about Oscar Wilde and has respect for the man. Not a lot, but I have it. (laughs) I have the same amount of respect for the man that he had for himself. Mm. And that is to say, not that he was not like, not to say that like, in like a sex negative way, because his sex life is not what we're talking about here. We're talking about his (laughs) anti-Semitism. But more in a, uh, he hated himself very deeply and had a lot of shame and a lot of hate for who he was as a person. And Edward Even Carpenter. Though he started, and Edward Carpenter really just leaned into it. He was like, men are hot. And I'm like, they are. Great point. You go, It's just really Carpenter. lovely to see someone in, in that very specific time just like not be really sad. Because Oscar Wilde's story, no matter what angle you come from, it's, is a little sad. It's very sad. And and not to say that like we shouldn't learn about it or shouldn't talk about it, but it's nice to see a counterbalance to it. One hundred percent. But we're gonna move into the um, you know, the the the, <laughs> the same thing that Oscar Wilde did, which is discriminatory practices. We'll take it away. Well, first we gotta oh, first, talk sorry. about how he. So uh, his parents died. Yeah. He got a lot of money. Yeah. He moved to Sheffield or outside of Sheffield mm-hmm. at a place called Millithorpe. Bought. Uh, a seven acre space of land. Which for the people who, 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 you know, for y'all city slickers. Like me. I have no idea how much an acre is. Um, you know the, my home? Like, yes. uh, the, that's 99 acres. Okay. So think of seven. Not that big. <laughs> Sorry. Was that petty? Very funny. Thank you. So like, um, medium sized property. Small property for, for countryside. It's small for countryside, big for y'all silly slickers. <laughs> <laughs> Saying it as a person who doesn't own a balcony. Yes. So I'd be impressed to have it now. But yes, he built the house here uh, and he started this movement that he called the simplification of life, mm-hmm. where he focused on manual manual work, vegetarianism. Cottage core. Cottage core. Cottage core. Cottage core. No class distinction and sandal making. He actually sent a letter to a friend asking him to send uh, a sandal from India so he could have have, like a prototype to base his sandal making off of. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. That is interesting. And I just want to nail it right on the head and say lesbians who are cottage core and all the queer people who are cottage core. This is your ancestor. This is one of your ancestors. This is a cottagecore man. This is a cottagecore man. You gotta love it. Gotta and love it. 
Yeah, he started he, that tradition early. He was ahead of the fucking curve. He just moved very heavily into like the socialism <laughs> and the sustainable living. Into, he was ahead of the curve. He was ahead of the curve. And he wrote this epic poem called mm. Towards Democracy. Um, he didn't exactly have like a party belonging, but he, he moved very yeah, ahead of the curve. <laughs> he, uh, I see... I saw some quotes talking about he was more about, like, leaning more towards anarchy than mm-hmm. anything else, almost. Mm-hmm. So he was really ahead of the curve. And also, nudist. Nudist. Well, yeah. <laughs> Just adding some fun facts. Yeah. That's where, where I exist. Are we at the India point yet? Or yes. does he go to India or Sri Lanka? He goes to both. Okay, both. So... As, disrespects both places, don't as, worry. As part of this entire journey that he had into socialism and and exploring, like, his identity mm-hmm. and, and other parts of, like, philosophy, mm-hmm. he discovered, like, mysticism. Which is 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 fancy word for cultural appropriation. I'm gonna say that much. <laughs> You're not wrong. So he got um, interested in Eastern religion and, and he read the scripture called the uh, Bhagavad Gita. Mm-hmm. And inspired by this, he yeah he, he even like wrote like a poem. I think maybe the Towards Democracy was based on it. I don't mm-hmm. know. One of his epic poems was based on this mm-hmm. ancient scripture. And then in 1890, he went to Sri Lanka. He went to India. He coined the term like mystic socialism. And he he meditated and studied under a I don't remember what the person's name was. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say so. I'm gonna say a guru. Mm-hmm. And I'll cut it out if you're wrong. Yeah. And through this internal s- process. Yeah. This learning process and internal studying that he did, he realized that socialism would bring about revolution not only in economic conditions, but also in human consciousness. Which is a a good conclusion to arrive at. But he was also very, like, very appropriative. And, like, not to be that person. Not the worst thing he could have been doing at the specific time period. True. But also still not acceptable. Like, and to be fair, he he did credit as, as much as he could, which is worth something and I don't think there was many discussions on why cultural appropriation was wrong yet um but yeah I feel like it's also like the forefront of how you see yoga being used today almost 100% 100% he is the beginning of why we hate this so much mm-hmm. like just as much as you, you can't be like oh well you know he he, he didn't know anything you, you 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 can't you can't say that he did like he started a legacy that has some really damaging effects on these cultures that he claimed to love and you know, maybe that's not what he would have wanted, but maybe he should have been more specific. Yeah, 100%. Maybe he should be more clear. He'd be like, hey, I really, really love and respect this guy, but don't steal it. Can y'all, can we be really, really clear here? Please don't steal this and and profit off it to the point in which the original form of it is completely unrecognizable. Can we not do that? If he had said that, I would have no problem <laughs> I wish he'd said that. Wish he had, but he's but yeah. he started well, he probably wasn't the first person. There was a lot, a lot of that sort of thing happening at the time, so he probably thought what he was doing was okay. Yeah. But no. Yeah. The legacies of that aren't nice. Especially like the the term mystic socialism. I'm like, that mm. has some bad That makes bad my... vibes. Yeah, exactly. And So yeah, like not as bad as Oscar. I'm I'm gonna make a deciding point and be like, not quite as bad as Oscar Wilde. Still iffy, but not Still as iffy. bad. I would, Could I would better. completely understand someone hating him for it. Mm-hmm. I would completely understand and respect someone being like, "No, thank you," ever. And I'd also completely understand someone being like, "Okay, okay." As long as y'all acknowledge it happened, that's the thing you got to do. Mm-hmm. 
So, uh, yeah, he was on this journey for a little over a year, I think. Mm -hmm. And on his return from India on a train, he met George Merrill. The love of his life. The love of his life. Uh, George Merrill was, I believe, 22 years younger than Edward. And uh, he was a man of the working class. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm 90% sure that Edward saw him and and his only brain cell was like, pot. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. But they loved each other they a really lot. They really did. And they were very, very <laughs> different, where Edward was more uh, introspective and, like, academic. George was incredibly outgoing and loved, like, a good time. He went to parties. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They were just, like, very opposite, but mm-hmm. also, like, same vibe. And um, if this helps you understand the relationship, it doesn't help me because I have not read this book yet. But I do know, and this is where E.M. Forrester comes in, because he was friends with Edward and, and uh, Morel, and... He was like, I'm going to base two characters off of you. And that is Maurice. You know, that one book that everyone's like, wow, the queer book or like one of the big queer books in literary canon, which I have not read yet. So maybe it shows a really toxic relationship and I'm about to get my... (laughs) Your ass handed to you. Exactly. So maybe like it's a really toxic relationship he was betraying. So we'll learn more then. But at the very least, I I do know that they, they... from everything I've seen, they did seem to love and respect each other. 100%. Um, Even with the, the sort of ingrained power dynamics that were in, that can be part of any relationship. Mm-hmm. And but, like, yeah. while they were sort of very open about the relationship, there were like some difficulties mm-hmm. uh, to when, uh, to the point where when George moved into um, Edward's home in, in, in Millithorpe, 1898, he was legally registered as a servant. Yuck. Yeah, that must have not been fun. Yeah, and a lot of people just assume that he was just a servant, but in which fact, is also he... a big old yuck. Exactly, but in fact, he like played a really big, important life in Edward's life. Yeah, played, played a, a big, big important, important part. part of Edward's life. And you know, I I worry about how Edward treated him. I don't know too 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 much because you can never know everything that happened in a relationship, especially one this old. But you know, I I do think that he did push for George Merrill to like be respected and treated respectfully. But at the time, class disparity, it was even more pronounced and enforced than it is now, which it's already still very intensely enforced, right? 100%. 100%. And like, taking that and adding on to the fact that they were a queer couple in like the... Mm-hmm. Yay. And it's also like, it makes something very clear that like, you can't remove those privileges. Exactly. As much as you're like, I want to remove power dynamic, I want to remove the privilege in the kind of, in whatever relationship you're in. Because no matter what relationship you're in, there's very few relationships you're going to find where there's no power imbalance in certain arenas. Even if it's just literally going into a room and some people in that room like you more <laughs> than your partner. Um, but like, it, it, I think he, um, Edward Carpenter really tried to sort of just become a poor person, but that's not possible. You can't get rid of your privilege like that. And well, he could just throw his money out, but then he wouldn't have his money. Exactly. And that's an issue. But like, the fact is like, he wasn't able to like have this sort of like in his head, idyllic you know, perfect situation in which, you know, we'd all be like the simple life of like chilling and vibing. It, it wasn't possible. It wasn't possible while there was still a power imbalance. There was specifically a societally enforced power imbalance. It, it's just not possible to like pretend like everything's fine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the two of them did actually manage to build something really lovely. Mm-hmm. In the end, they had built like a wonderful community. They didn't, the, the city, the little town, I think the town was called Millithorpe. I don't mm-hmm. know. It I don't Millithorpe. know. The, the town's close by there where they lived. Mm-hmm. Uh, was pretty accepting of them. There was like, like one incident, but it wasn't that big of a deal. 
And they were just like, everyone else was just like, ah, that's Edward and George. All right. Coolio. And, and I like that. And they managed mm-hmm. to actually surround themselves with friends mm-hmm. at at the house who all wanted to live the same lifestyle of, mm-hmm. of being vegetarian and nudist and like Queer. embracing all these things which is really lovely it is and and they were like a very big staple part of the queer community at the time and a lot of edward carpenter's work were, were was sort of like brought in later into different parts of the queer community in different times including magnus herschel's work yeah because he kept writing things mm-hmm. and all of these works have been referenced by by a lot of people after his death exactly which is fantastic and it's just like another clear show that even if they didn't make this groundbreaking change in the world, they changed the world. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to, you know, change the laws of their time or, you know, shake up the politicians, though that would have been helpful. Um, but they still changed the world and they really showed that even now we can look back and be like, queer people have always found ways to make themselves of beautiful homes and amazing communities. And queer people are so, so strong. To be able to find happiness in time where the world just did not want them to have it. Exactly. And specifically the country. Not exactly. the world. There are places where everyone was like, yeah, fine, whatever. But, you know, and um, a part of it was that Edward Carpenter was like a rich person. There was privilege there. And there's also parts of it that he was really charming from all intents and purposes. And everyone was just like, yeah, he's a really nice guy. It's sort of hard to be mad at him. <laughs> Which is a vibe. And, you know, if I can pass anything on to y'all is uh, cottagecore lesbians and cottagecore people in general who are listening to us, check them out. This is a great person to look at and great person to sort of read the writings of because he wrote a lot and there's a lot of legacy there. There's uh, right now there's this um, movement mm-hmm. in, in England called the Edwin Carpenter Society, which is really? like 500 members like gay men who are like yeah which i think it's specifically like gay so like socialist nudist vegetarians exactly incredible like same movement still alive and i know i think there's something actually absolutely beautiful about the fact that like no matter what version of of human you are there's a precedent set if you're a queer vegetarian cottagecore motherfucker history has had someone like you before and it has treated you with love and People like you have been loved in history, even in the most hostile times. So I think that's a heartening thing. Keep that in mind. Exactly. Uh, in the end, uh, Edward and George did move away mm-hmm. from their, their home. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one really knows why, uh, but they did. Moved down to moved to Surrey and mm-hmm. lived in Guildford. I'm just saying names. I, I know nothing about English yeah. geography. Uh, and then in 1928, George died suddenly. Mm-hmm. And a year later, Edward died as well. And they are now buried together in Guild. Amazing. Right? Amazing. And uh, the age was 84 for Edward Carpenter was when he died. And that's a long, really happy life. He lived with the love of his life for his entire life. Yeah. That's not something everyone can say. It's incredible. And yeah, just like, I don't know. These stories in history mean so much. Because I, I just do remember a time where I thought... That someone like me just did not get a happy ending. That just wasn't something in the cards. And the more you learn, the more you learn how untrue that is. Someone like you not only has found ways to be happy, but has found ways to be happy in a specific way that'll make you happy later. In specific ways that were made to set up the world to be easier for you to be happy too. Incredible. What a beautiful thing. I'm really optimistic lately. I I don't know if y'all can hear. I love it though. Thank you. I just I've I've just been seeing all these amazing activists out there working so hard to make the world better. 
I, I can't help but be optimistic because these incredible, incredible people, if we put power in their hands, I don't know. Only beauty, you know? And we are very lucky to both live in a time where we know this story and we can share this story. And we're very happy that y'all were able to hear, be here and join us for the story this month. So we're going to move into the next portion of our podcast, which is Wrecking the Queers, where we recommend things and you wreck us. So are we being wrecked? No. Ah, Everyone's been sending in really nice stuff lately. Y'all really need to email us and like thoroughly drag us. Everyone's been sending really nice stuff. I I can talk about some of the compliments we've gotten. Uh, There was this really sweet uh, reaction to the Marlene Dietrich um, portrait where someone's like, my name's Marlene too. And I'm like, I'm so happy. That is so pure. Um, Someone really, really kindly responded to sort of like my my post being like, hey, we're going to need to take some time. Someone was super kind, super sweet being like, hey, your health is so important. We care about you. We just want you to be happy. And I'm like, ah. It is, it is. And you know what? It's just been really nice, very sweet people. Um all y'all are blessings. Yeah. I'm saying it right here, right now. These are facts only. Your blessings. Exactly. And you know, next month I'm gonna be like, why did someone send me another thing about um what do I get a lot of things? Ooh, Alexander Hamilton. Oh no. There's a movie coming out. There's the movies I'm gonna get all the animals again. No, Anon is closed. But I'm going to get comments again. Y'all don't know how many comments I've gotten about. Oh, fuck it. I haven't even written anything about him. The only thing I said is that he owns life, which is a factual thing. Someone True. replied to that. Maybe because like the whole thing was like, you know, what do you think about like, it was a really long nuanced discussion because someone was like, hey, what do you think of, um, you know, sort of like including queer people in the community who aren't really good people. And I'm like, yeah, that's a really good point. I think we need to include them because if we don't include them, we sort of absolve ourselves of their sins. We, we pretend that there aren't racist people. And they brought in the, ex- the example of Alexander Hamilton. And every single reply was like, either he was an abolitionist. How dare you? Why didn't you write about Thomas Jefferson? Who wasn't queer, by the way. Just like side note, we're a queer project. Why would you talk about Thomas? Um, uh, what's his name? Thomas... Jefferson? Jefferson, yeah. I almost said Sanderson. (laughs) Thomas Sanders did nothing wrong. (laughs) He did nothing wrong. How dare you? Um, But, you know, they're like, how dare you? Why are you not attacking Thomas Jefferson? I'm like, how dare you speak ill of of this man? This abolitionist. And I'm like, he owned slaves. Like, I know this makes you uncomfortable, like, but he owned slaves. His wife owned slaves, so he owned slaves. That's how marriage works. Yeah. Do you know? I can tell y'all a little bit about marriage. I'm married, so I have experience. But if, if you don't get to sort of separate it out, not like that, at least not with unless there's a divorce. And he owned slaves. That's a factual thing. Whether he bought or sold them, that's up for debate. But he owned them and he profited off of them. And he did not work as hard as he could have to stop yeah. slavery. <laughs> like, yeah. Facts. And also he created capitalism as it exists today in America. And I don't really like him for that, to be honest. And... <laughs> It's, it's funny because I either get like half the people being like, how dare you insult the name of Alexander Hamilton? Alexander Hamilton. And I'm like, go away. <laughs> or, or they're like, how dare you call him queer? You are a bad person. What if people, literally someone said this. What if there's a serial killer with blue eyes? Would you say to let him into the blue eyed community? I'm like, what? Yes. What? I don't know. What does that mean? What does that mean? 
I'm going to make a hard stance here. If there's a serial killer with blue eyes, which I'm betting there is, there's bound to we're be gonna, one. <laughs> we're going to acknowledge that they have blue eyes. <laughs> we're just going to acknowledge it. Can we just all agree that we'll acknowledge it? And they're like, how dare you? That makes you racist. And I'm like, what? Okay. No, they literally called me racist for it. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to pack it in for the day. Take your little Close suitcase. briefcase. Go pet my cats, you know. But yeah, uh, I just wanted to give sort of that. All right, you heard it here, folks. Alexander Hamilton was queer and he owned slaves. Yeah, those are two things that people did. Yeah. Turns out queer people aren't morally pure. Queer people aren't like... Always good people. Queer people aren't like always anything. Yeah. Like, they're, that's they're the fact. Like, that's the point. Like, that's the, the, the disparity. Like, I don't know, you know, it does like disparity. I don't know how to right tell word. you this. But like... But there's more than one queer person and they all have individual lives. And some of them are shitty. <laughs> Including me. I've never owned slaves though. So, point in my favor. you? <laughs> one point in my favor, zero in Alexander. <laughs> I don't think you get a point for not owning slaves. I don't slaves. think so I don't either. think you deserve one. That is not... No. I don't think it, it deserves points. I'm going to make a hard stance there as well. I don't think you deserve points for for not having slaves. Anyways, we are going to move into the other part of the Wrecking the Queer because y'all just didn't make fun of us enough this month. Get on it better next month. Next and it is month? my turn to recommend something. And I'm going to recommend something different. Usually we recommend queer media. And there's a lot of queer media I could recommend and I probably should recommend, but I'm not. I'm, I'm going to recommend the Okra Project, which is a, a charity project, which I want y'all to donate to if you have the chance or give your time to if you are in the area or even just share on your social media if you have the time. I, I think this is a really important project and I think that it deserves time and funding and care and love. So do you want to hear what the Okra Project is? Please. Okay. Also, how is Okra spelled? Oh, I'm going to put it in the description, but Okra is spelled O-K-R-A. Cool. So the Okra Project. The Okra Project is a collective that seeks to address the global crisis faced by Black trans people by bringing home-cooked, healthy, and culturally specific meals and resources to Black trans people wherever we can reach them. That is wonderful. It has this beautiful history, which I really encourage you to to go read into, but I'm just going to sort of give the basics of it so y'all understand how it works. Um, But here's the how does it work section of the website. It's actually very simple. Based on individual donations, the Okra Project play the Okra Project pays black trans chefs to go into the homes of black trans people to cook them a healthy home cooked meal at absolutely no cost to our black uh, transgender and gender nonconforming siblings. For those black trans folks currently experiencing homelessness or whose homes cannot support our chefs cooking, the Okra Project has partnered with institutions like the Osborne Association and other community spaces to deliver foods. That is wonderful. It's a fantastic project. I really, really think that it is worth your time, energy, and money because this is direct. It's direct in a way a lot of other things aren't direct. And honestly, it sounds savvy, but a home-cooked meal means a lot. It just does. And um, a little fun thing. One session of Costa Okra Project $90. So that includes chef pay and groceries. So to make it possible, they have this little nice graph here. Um, 18 p- people would donate $5 or nine people would donate $10 or six people would donate $15 or three people would donate $30. So yeah, you, if um 17 or sorry, if 18 members of our audience went up, donated $5, which I think most of you can do, like very frankly, I know we have a lot of poor listeners, but I think $5 is something a lot of people can do. I think it'd be worth it. I think it'd be worth it. And I think that this project absolutely deserves the support and trans people in our community, black trans people specifically 
deserve our support right now. And this is a way we can give it to them directly in which it doesn't get diluted. Just something as simple as a home-cooked meal is so important. It just, you know, maybe this is me being cheesy, but as someone who, who does love cooking, and it's, it's something that can change your month. It can change your year, especially if you are poor. So I think this is worth your time. I think it's worth your money. If you are in New York City, you can donate your time to it. If you go onto their website, look and see what you can do. I will leave the link below. But yeah, I don't have media for you this month. I'm sorry. But I do think this is worth it. And I'm not sure if they have a social media, but you can share about this on your social media. Exactly. Post it on your Instagram, on Mm -hmm. your Facebook, on your Twitters. And you know what? I'm going to make a hard stance. If you have Netflix, cancel your Netflix for a month. Now, specifically if you have Amazon or Amazon Prime or any of that crap, cancel for a month. Give the money to the Ogre Project, maybe just for a month. Or if you are a creator, an artist, uh, if you run a YouTube, mm-hmm. if you have any form of, of creating art and receive pay for it, mm-hmm. if you can't afford, if you can't afford to do some commissions. 100%. And, and donate all the money. Do some... Do a live stream. Do a Twitch stream. Anything that if you don't know if you can't donate yourself that is totally fine there's other ways you can support this project and those ways are worthwhile and valuable and even if those ways are literally just drawing something nice and being like hey i drew this in inspiration of the ochre project and this is something you should check out just saying that to your five followers it's valuable and it's worthwhile and i think this project deserves some support so yeah that is my big media suggestion for and instead of us giving you something that you should read or what mm-hmm. we're now the opportunity to go out there and make things to to read or watch it exactly. that can support the okra project and it, we're giving you the direct opportunity because the facts are black trans people are some of the most creative people on the fucking planet i will not be taking questions at this time you can give someone who could create anything Like, you should just want to do it because they're people who deserve support and love. But also, I just can't put forward the importance of of something like this, of that care and that love. Because it is the difference. Love is the difference between creating and not creating. Mm, That's that's true. Like, as a creator myself, the difference between me being able to do what I have done this this month has been love. And, And burning out or not being able to or hating myself or hating my work has been love. The only reason I've ever been able to create is because of love. And if you can give this love to other people, there's going to be some amazing things that come from that. I promise. There's only benefit. Promise, promise, promise. So yeah, just check it out. Do me a big old favor. And I think that's it for this month. Yeah. If you don't know how to reach us, we have a website. Yes. It is uh, www.makingqueerhistory.com. If you want to support us for, you know, being amazing, you can check us out at www.patreon.com slash queerhistory. And via our website, you will find link all our social media mm-hmm. to our patron <laughs> and to anywhere else you can find us. You can find okay. us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, Tumblr. Tumblr. Yeah. And you can also find our email if you want to email us, if we said anything weird or confusing, if you have any questions, comments, concerns. Or criticisms. Please send us criticisms. Exactly. And sometimes I drag some criticisms on the show. It's a little fun. But I I do promise that I I do go in with best. So you can email those to us at... QueerHistoryPatreon at gmail.com. Thank you. Love to hear from you all. And yeah, on our website, you can also find our shop. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, all our past articles and all our past podcasts, I believe. Yeah. And pretty much everything we have will be on that website. 
Mm-hmm. So thank you all for listening. And thank you all for being here. Yeah. And, and keep kicking ass. Please do. Yes. There's so much to be done right now. And we're so excited to see everything that you're going to create and that you're going to build. Because And go be cottagecore. Be cottagecore vegetarian nudists. Live it. Please. Live the dream. There's a reason that this the universe put this story in that. It's it, it. This is your sign. If you've been waiting for a sign to become a goddish core vegetarian nudist, this is academic. It. This is your sign. Go out there. Go out there. Kill it, baby. You got this. Or don't kill it if you're a pacifist. But like, oh yeah, if you're a pacifist and a vegetarian, don't kill it. But create it. Exactly. Create that thing you want to see. And also send a letter. Send a letter to that queer creator that you absolutely love and have a bit of a crush on because maybe it's gonna be in the history books. Edwards ended up in them. It's possible. Mm-hmm. You never know, right? Exactly. Thank you so much for listening to us. And remember, everyone, history is queer than you think. We have always existed, and we are still here. Telling the stories of those long dead, we won't disappear. We're taking the pen back into our own hands. We're living, we breathe, and we keep creating. Thank you.